man. See lots of friends and people I've seen before, and it's so such a blessing to have you here. Daniel chapter 4, verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king. It is the decree of the Most High God, which has come upon my Lord the King. You shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat the grass, as do the oxen, and you shall be wet with dew of the heavens. And seven times or seven years shall pass over you until you learn and know and recognize the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and gives it to whomever He will. I want you to notice that little phrase right there. Just say it with me. It's not about you. Sorry. Not about me either. I, I meant me in there. I'm sorry. It's not about you. He gives it to whomever He will. So all of us need to stay, take a step back from our accomplishments. I mean, he's talking to the ruler of the then known world. The most powerful man in history. And he said, you got here because of me. Wasn't your skill, wasn't your ability. Behind the puppet master, behind the lifting up was me. Hallelujah. And in that, it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be sure to you after you have learned and know the God of heaven rules. Verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins and show the reality of your repentance by righteousness and moral and spiritual rectitude and rightness in every area and relation. And liberate yourself from your iniquities by showing mercy and loving kindness to the poor and the oppressed. That if the king will repent, there may possibly be a continuance and lengthening of your peace and tranquility and a healing of your error. All this was fulfilled and came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of 12 months, he was walking in the royal palace in Babylon. The king said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built as a royal residence and a seat of government by the might of my power and for the honor and glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. I want to preach today from this subject. You didn't get there by yourself. Father, we ask you to bless the word and bless the ministry of the word today, God. And let the hearer be encouraged and strengthened. And remind us when we're blind of it. All the ways in which you've lifted us and secured us and sustained us. When we didn't see it, we didn't recognize it. It was invisible to us, Lord. It wasn't a check in the mail. It wasn't the miraculous. But underneath us were the invisible, everlasting arms that held us up in our calamity and in our trouble and in our pride. And when we took credit for things that were not ours, Lord, you were merciful to us. Help us realize that behind the scenes, you're at work. 
and the building of your body and the people and everything we have is because of the grace of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you as you're seated. And everybody said thank God there's a soft seat. I'm aware that the mind can only conceive what the seat can endure. And so I will be as swift as possible this morning, which as some of you know, who've been here for a while, that's not very swift. Everybody's got their idea of it, right? But Nebuchadnezzar is an absolute monarch of the then known world. He built the Babylon for his personal residence and commissioned the building of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. He's at the pinnacle of his power. He accumulates power and wealth at a scale only a few other people in our history could know or experience, but it all falls apart. When he reaches rock bottom, he's glad it happened because he realized he had a spiritual cancer destroying his life. Even though the treatment for the cancer was humiliation, he felt it worth it. And I don't know about you, but we live in a country that is very competitive. We value status and power and wealth and beauty and possibly more than any other country around. Even though we're relatively successful, maybe our mind is disturbed much like Nebuchadnezzar's. And our sleep is troubled for the same reason because we realize that we didn't get there by ourselves. We realize that even though you and I responded to the gospel, had it not been for the drawing of the Spirit, you would have never came to God in your own power. Had it not been for a preacher who preached you under conviction and made you feel the reality of your sin, you would have never moved from your chair. You didn't get here by yourself. You may have started to walk down the aisle, but God started dealing with you months before you ever got to church. You may have made it to an altar, but some sister or brother came over and laid their hands on you and prayed for you and stayed with you until heaven broke and forgiveness came. We forget about all the people around us sometimes and we start taking credit for things that are not ours. And I know when we talk about pride, our self-defense rises up, doesn't it? Pride is not my problem. Well, the is denial is the first sign you have a problem. It's the first sign that we all have a problem. We take credit for things that are outside of our control that we couldn't possibly control. The reason we think it's never us is because pride hides itself. When the Lord convicted Cain and said, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? He said, but sin crouches at the door. It crouches. It makes itself small, right? It doesn't just come straight at you. It's like a predator in the grass. He said, but you must master it. You must overcome it. In verse 4, Nebuchadnezzar says, I was satisfied and prospering in my palace, but I was troubled by a dream. Here's a man who can't even be fired, and he's still troubled. 
The only way is to have a military as great as his, and he's still troubled because God is talking to him about his attitude. He's not talking to him about his wealth or anything else. He said he's not even trying to save the guy. He's just saying, you're taking credit for some stuff that I've done. If it wouldn't have been for my omnipotence and my power, you wouldn't be there, and you need to be reminded of that. And so I've given you a little dream to remind you that you got here because of me. Even the enemies of God have gotten their position because of the providence and the omniscience of God and the omnipotence of God. He watched until the tree was cut down and there was nothing left but a stump. Some of you have been stomped, haven't you? Life has hit you. Struggle has come. Loss has come. But you know what? There can come a rejuvenation from that place that was not there before. If we can understand, Lord, if you don't keep your hands on me and you don't protect me, this could happen to me if it wasn't for your grace and your mercy. How many of you have ever been in a car accident and you came out without any damage? The whole car was destroyed. Well, who could you? measures couldn't have been the seat belt it couldn't have been the airbags somebody had to be watching out for you somebody that you've never thanked had to be watching out for all of us and this is what it says in Daniel 4 and 17 the sentence is by the decree of the heavenly watchers and the decision is by the word of the holy one that the living may know he said I'm making you an example so that everyone else is watching may know it doesn't matter how high you are, you're still below me. It doesn't matter how high you rise in the ranks of this world and how popular, how many followers you have on Twitter or Instagram, there's still somebody above you. And everything you have is because of his benevolence and his grace and his goodness. And if you don't turn around and thank him, he might stump you. He might stump you. He said the intent of this thing that's happened to you is that the living may know that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and gives it to whomever he will and sets, it, sets over it the humblest and the lowliest of men. He said what got you here is because you were humble and now you've lost that and the only thing that will help you maintain it is to realize that there's a God above you who's benevolent and who has blessed you and given you this place of power and authority. I don't know about you, but when I came into the church, if it wouldn't have been for sweet saints of God, I wouldn't be where I am today. You say, well, you had to study and you had to pray. Yeah, but somebody had to put their arm around me and say, good job, preacher. That's good. Hallelujah. I didn't get here by myself. When we opened this church in a little, uh, little Methodist church in Colleyville and 12, 15 people, and we took all our stuff in, somebody had to come then and say, I believe in what can be. 
Somebody had to come then and say, I see that there's some potential here. There's nothing here now to attract me and my family, but I see the vision of this place. And it's because of those people who stepped up and said, I'll, I'll turn aside all the other churches that have all the stuff that I need, and I'll come and I'll bear the burden here. That's why you sit in this building today with good sound and good air and soft places to sit. Because somebody believed when there was nothing to believe in. The humbling was designed to teach him, to teach Nebuchadnezzar that all you have is given by the Most High. Everything that you've put your hands to do is nothing more than the Most High's grace and goodness. And I'm here to tell you today that everything you have is the grace of God. Everything you have. And if I could get that down into your system, it would change your worship with God. I promise you. It would You say, well, I still got to go to work. Well, you have a job. Right? The lady right here in the front row just lost everything in a tornado. Right here. See, we always think, well, you know, poverty and those things are all about this and that. Well, what happens when a fire takes all of your house? Why wasn't that your house? Why didn't the tornado run through your neighborhood? Who kept it from there? Why were you born into the family you were born in instead of some dysfunctional situation where there was abuse? Did you have any control over that? Why do you have a high IQ and others have an IQ less than 75? Are you in control of that? See, there's lots of things in our life that we didn't have any control over that were given to us by God as blessings. And we've yet wants to go, you know what, Lord? I'm so thankful that I wasn't born in a war-torn country where there was poverty and lack of food. But you let me be born in this nation right here where I had opportunity and where I could work and I could do well and I could put my talents together. I'm just here to tell you, you didn't get here by yourself. Somebody blessed. Somebody helped. Somebody lifted, somebody came alongside and encouraged. And it's time for the people of God to recognize that. You didn't get here by yourself. I'm talking to me today, y'all listen to me preach to myself, okay? I didn't get here by myself. I walked into a little church in South Fort Worth only been free of drugs for a couple of weeks. And somebody put their arm around me and said, you're welcome here. Didn't ask about my past. Didn't ask where I'd been. Went in, talked to the preacher about my call to preach. I expected him to say, come back when you are more serious about this or you've got some things cleaned up in your life. But he leaned forward and said, I believe your call. Had it not been for that grace right there, that belief that regardless of where I'd been and what I'd done, God could still use me and that his hand was still upon me. There wouldn't be a church today. There wouldn't be a place to have a service today if it wasn't for somebody robed in flesh who acted like God to me. And every one of us have people in our lives like that. We have people in our life, countless people in our lives that made the difference between us sticking and us falling aside.
no matter how accomplished or successful you believe you are or think you will be, it is never complete. Nebuchadnezzar knew what only a few people in the world, maybe five, ever know. And that is when you finally reach the top, it's never enough. People have told us, we've had sports heroes, we've had actors and actresses come out and tell us, when you get there, it's still not satisfying. People at the top are deeply troubled because they know by experience what the rest of us deny. You can conquer all the known empires of the world and accumulate treasure. You couldn't possibly spend in an entire life. But the human soul wants something bigger, eternal. The human soul doesn't just want this world. All the kingdoms, the riches, and the pleasures of the world won't satisfy the longing of the soul. And every one of us know that deep down, regardless of how well we're doing, there's a longing in our soul for something eternal, something that lasts. And there's nothing in this world that can satisfy that but a relationship with the Creator, our God. Nothing in the whole world. I always found it interesting that when you first started... Like in Boys and Girls, you wrote your little letters. You know, do you like me? Circle yes or no. Right? You got a yes. It wasn't two letters later. It was like, I love you. We didn't know what that was. But we said it, right? He said, Brent and Gina forever. Why would a fourth grader say forever? Because there's something intuitive in our nature that knows we were made for a love that lasts forever. And there is not a relationship in this life that can give us forever. Not our wife, not our husband. They can only give us till death do us part. But only God can love us eternally. Never back up on us. Never quit on us. Never leave us. Always stay as in love with us as he was from the beginning because his love is not based on you it's based on how good he is it's not based on your worth and your value it's based on how good he is temporal things can never satisfy the ache or the thirst of an eternal soul we spend our lives trying to get to the top but the ones who've actually arrived and deeply troubled and can't sleep Think of Michael Jackson, who had to take profanol to sleep at night. The king of pop. And all the wealth and all the status, but couldn't sleep. Howard Hughes, who went crazy in his later life. Pride is so dangerous that God loves us enough to warn you in a dream or send Daniel with a message. He's telling us, You're not in charge, you're not in control. And that's something that we as human beings hate. We don't like not being in control. We want to control our environment. We want to take charge of things. I'm going to tell you, there are things far beyond your control. That if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here today. But thank God for the goodness of God. Who kept us and protected us and loved us. Many of us, while we were outside the will of God, living in...
been taught as children and God kept us safe. There were times where we could have died in an accident or an overdose. But no, no, God intervened. There was nobody else there. But God showed up when you were walking away from him and loved you and resuscitated you and kept you conscious until you could get to a doctor or help. But you weren't serving him, but he was still loving you. You weren't walking with him. And you're still in that room when you called on him. And when I called on him, he showed up in that room. Even though it had been nine years since I'd really prayed a prayer. Because I'm here to tell you, you didn't get here by yourself. Somebody loved you when you were unlovable. Somebody helped you when you wouldn't help yourself. And after a troubling dream, a warning interpretation... And a path to avoid the consequences. He said, look, I'm telling you in advance. If you'll just repent, you can avoid what's coming. The Bible says in verse 29, at the end of 12 months, 12 months, pride hid. And he did nothing about it, even though he was warned in a dream. King said, is not this the great Babylon that I have built? as the royal residence. Seat of government by the might of my power and for the honor and glory of my majesty. Let me tell you something today. At our best, we are a dim reflection of the creator who made us. That's all. We are a lesser light that reflects his glory. So for all of the singing ability up here, which I thank God for, it's just a reflection of him. If it ever stops with us, we've missed the whole reason that it is a reflection of what he gave them that they were born with, with an ear to hear the sound and the melody that I wish I had and maybe in my glorified body I will. <laughs> they had a thing here the other night at our, little, at our little volunteer banquet. It was so cute. They had Corey up here and I could tell that my mic was on. And he heard my mic through the talkback mic. And he can't hide when something is off. And so he goes. I have a song in my heart. It just doesn't come out nice. I have a song. I have a praise. I have worship. I have things I want to sing. When I'm alone in my car, I sing good. But I'm not like some of you who God gave a voice. If you got a voice, you ought to sing it to the top of your lungs because all the rest of us are jealous and you didn't get here by yourself. It was the goodness and the grace of God. Don't leave your talent on the sideline if you have one. Use it for his glory. It is a reflection of his wisdom and his goodness and his power. No better word picture of spiritual pride than verse 30. I made it for my majesty. Pride is an attitude. I did it. I'm worthy. And pride takes the credit for good things in your life and refuses to recognize the contribution of God, family, or friends. He starts to think the sole reason for my success is me. No doubt you're a part Pride believes the reason I'm doing better than others is because I worked harder, right? Well, what if you were born in a third world and you were just a farmer there? How much better would you do than the others? Did you have any control over that? What if you were born with some of the children with 
blindness or deafness. How well would you be doing then? Were you in control of that? See, there's all kind of things that we get up every day and just take for granted. Grace of God. Blessings of God. See, pride operates in success and struggle. In success, it says, I worked harder and I'm smarter and I deserve it. In struggle, it says, I'm suffering more than others. Life is unfair and I deserve more than I'm getting. I don't deserve this. Either way, it's still pride. Pride claims to be the author and the source of those things that are a gift. Gift. It's taking credit for the things we're not in control of. It's cosmic plagiarism. It's saying, I did this. You didn't make the world you live in. You didn't make the air that keeps your lungs breathing. That every time you take in a breath, it's because of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. He breathed into you when you were a baby and gave you the breath of life. And it's time for us to realize I didn't get here by myself. I love the old saying says, if you ever see, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, he didn't get there by himself. That's us. We're the turtles. We're sinful. We're inconsistent. We're up. We're down. We're hot. We're cold. He knows our frame. But he blesses us anyway because of his goodness. Because of who he is. Hallelujah. I want you to know that. I want you to understand that. You walk in here some days and don't deserve anything to happen. But guess what? God shows up like he said he would in his word. And starts blessing. And start encouraging. And start strengthening. And you're here and you just barely made it in. And God said, that's all right. You're here and I keep my word. You got to understand something. God does something for his own reputation, not because of you. He's got a reputation to protect as a good God, as a gracious God. So when you come in here, you can expect him to be him. He didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. He isn't moody. He said, my word says it, that's how I'm going to behave. Now, you may have an attitude today, but not me. Not me. See, things have been given to you by the creator that you have no claim on. Pride claims to be the author of things that are just a gift. Humility looks at everything as a gift. If God gave me what I deserved, I would be experiencing eternal wrath separated from Him right now. If He gave me what I deserved, what I've earned with my merit and my behavior, I would be lost. But thanks be to God. God saw my plight, saw my sin, saw my rebellion. <laughs> he robed Himself in flesh and came down and said, That's all right. It's all right. I'm still going to keep my side of the covenant. You may not have kept yours, but I'll keep yours and mine as the God-man. Hallelujah. And then I'll credit that righteousness to you. I love that when people start telling me their testimony and tell me about their prayer life and tell me about all the other stuff. And I was like, if I read the book right, it says, by one man's obedience, many came righteous. That wasn't yours. That wasn't mine. That was his. How did you become righteous? Because of his righteousness and his death at the cross. How did you become not guilty? Because someone took your place. Don't forget that. You didn't get here by yourself. 
Humility says it's all grace. It receives life and blessing. This is what I love. If you can get a hold of humility, you'll be surprised when good things happen. I can always tell when people have a pride problem because they're surprised when bad things happen. Right? Yeah. Why me? What did I do? I go, I do this. They start giving you a resume, right? Their moral resume. I don't do this. I don't do that. I quit that. I quit that. Wait, 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 wait. What you deserve, you really want to go down that road? The deserve road? Right? And then they're surprised. What happened? What did I do? Something's going off. No, no, no. You should be surprised when good things happen. You should be surprised when blessings happen that you don't deserve. You should be surprised when you get the raise that you know you shouldn't have got. But you got it anyway as a cost of living. Praise God. Right? I know we want to thank the government, but all that stimulus money you got last year was God. Look one step higher than where you want to look. It's always higher than, than you want to look. And that's our problem. We miss it because we don't see that. What's so bad about pride? You claim your success as a result of your efforts only. You don't give God credit for the things you can't control that have contributed to your success. Why are we susceptible to pride? Because we want control. To humble ourselves means we have to give up control. To be dependent on someone else is to give up control. Right? I always, I always like to test people. I hear people always have this attitude. And this is kind of a hint of pride and see if this affects you. I'll consider what scripture says, but I'm determined to do with my... You're still in control. You're not submitted and humble to God. Right? I still determine what I do with my money. It's not your money. Right? It's not yours. It was a gift. You're still in control. If you say things like, I have to decide if it's practical or rational to obey the Bible, you're still in charge. You haven't had a change of mind that says, I don't deserve even being here. I don't deserve the grace I've gotten and the forgiveness I've gotten. And when we get to that place, then we can receive from His hand. If you're self-made, how much of what you really have is under your control? You didn't choose your race. You didn't choose your gender. You didn't choose the country or the century you were born. Think if you were born in 1900. You know what the infant mortality rate was in 1900? You know how many people made it out of four? Why you in this generation with all the medical advances? They work sun up to sundown, 12 hours a day, agrarian labor. Lit in dirt floor houses. Why, why us in this place? Why you? That wasn't under your control. But God placed you here for a reason. And the first reason was to recognize you got it good. You got it good. Aren't you in some war-torn country like Burundi or Rwanda where the Hutus and the Tutsis turned on one another, killed one another? Why wasn't that you? Why are you here? Are you in control of that? No. I didn't think so. So when we're pounding our chest at our accomplishments, there are some things that were already baked into our success that we never 
never thought about. You say, I've worked hard with what? With the sound mind God gave you? Yeah. Yeah, you've worked hard. You've applied yourself. But what if you had a 75 IQ? You know you can't even get in the military with a 75 IQ. Who made your IQ what it was? Who did that? Did you have any control over that? See, we got to get down to some things because we start taking credit for things that are way outside of our pay grade. And we were born into a family and we were born into a situation that gave us lots of opportunities that we never say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You say, well, I, I did it all with my natural ability. What about your friends and your connections and your networking that helped you? Who was that person who got you that first job? Didn't you hand your, your application into somebody? Hmm? Didn't somebody call the HR department and said, I know them, I'll vouch for them, they're a good person. Didn't somebody put their name down there? See, you didn't choose your parents or your siblings or where you were born. You better thank God that those things contributed to your success. I know some of you have some difficult stories, and I got stories I can tell too. But I'm here to tell you, I didn't get here by myself. It was all the grace and the goodness of God and the love of God and the kindness of God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who separates you from one other as a faction leader? Who makes you superior and sets you apart from another, giving you preeminence? What have you that was not given to you? If you then received it from someone, why do you boast as if you had not received it but had gained it from your own efforts? See, humility is a joyous life that receives everything as a gift that we could never earn. It celebrates God's blessing with surprised thanksgiving. Hallelujah. I know I didn't deserve that, but thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My lungs are still working. I don't deserve that. I put a lot of drugs in them and they shouldn't work, but they still work because of your goodness. Hallelujah. I abused this body of mine for 10 years, but it still works. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that it still works, that I can still preach and I can still do what you've called me to do. Hallelujah. See, Nebuchadnezzar becomes an animal to teach us that pride defaces our humanity. He said, I'm going to make you what you are. He said, because you weren't thankful for where you were, I'm going to show you where you really belong. God says, because you insisted upon being more than a man, you became less than a man. Same problem in the garden with Adam and Eve. God's holding something back from you. If you'll just reach out and eat the fruit, you'll be like him. You'll be more than you are. See, pride makes us unable to empathize. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar that he could avoid the humiliation if he repents. He does two things, showing mercy to the poor and the oppressed. If you would do that, that would show me you're really repentant of your pride. Pride makes us think that our hard work is the sole reason for our success and the lack of hard work is the sole reason for people, other people's struggle. That's too simplistic. You don't know about the company that laid off everybody they couldn't handle during the pandemic. You don't, you don't know about that. That wasn't a lack of hard work, praise God. 
You don't know about all the downturns and situations. It's too simple to think it's just a matter of self-discipline. If he repents by showing mercy to the poor and oppressed, God will turn his life back. The blessings will continue. There are many causes of poverty that are outside our control. Famine, natural disaster, sickness, or war. How many of you lost retirement in 2008 when the downturn happened? And you didn't do anything but try to put back. How many think we would do well if we lived in Venezuela under that dictatorship and that authority? But we never once thank God for where we live. Why'd you put me here? Why'd you put me in this place? Why not there? As our nature has changed, we become incapable of joy. Animals can only be satisfied with the right circumstance. They cannot rejoice in tribulation. They can't do it. They can't rejoice in spite of their difficulty, in spite of their hunger. They can't rise above their circumstances. They don't have the ability to worship in spite of sickness and sorrow. See, pride destroys joy because when things go well, we think it's about time. Right? Right on. About time. I've been, I've been praying this. I've been waiting on this. Where have you been? So you can't rejoice over the good thing that happens because now you finally get what you deserve. It's not more than you deserve. It's just enough. Right? Can't rejoice over healing or blessing because God owes you those benefits because you've been faithful. Right? If things go badly, you think life isn't fair. Instead, things could be worse. Things could be much worse. If you're going to be healed of pride, God has got to do the healing for you. And he says there's two things you can do, Nebuchadnezzar. You can be grateful to the poor and the oppressed and bless them. First, you don't deserve anything from God except judgment. And second, you don't, if you were to object to the great mercy, you owe God everything. Each of us owe God everything. Hallelujah. I'm going to skip this. All right? Because I just feel this in the Holy Ghost. When gratitude begins to leak out of our lives, it's because we want to draw a one-to-one comparison between what we've done and what we're getting. We want to think that it's worth the effort. It's worth the sacrifice. You got your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Not based on how good you are, but based on who good he was. We have to be reminded sometimes that somebody took our punishment and took our place and that we need to be grateful for that every day. We can't be looking, where's my healing and where, where's my blessing? My blessing has already happened, amen. And everything I do in my life in obedience is because I'm grateful for what he's already done. Grateful for what he's already done. I'm gonna let you stand with me and give you hope in Jesus' name. And somebody said the other night that this means there's 40 more minutes of message. I promise you there's not 40 more minutes of message. I 
don't know about you, but I just feel overwhelmed with gratitude today. I was reading in Romans 1.18. He said, when they knew Him as God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. And for this reason, they become corrupt in their imagination. I'm going to tell you, that's where everything goes south in that whole chapter. Read down to verse 32. Everything goes south because when they knew Him as God, they glorified Him not as God. Everything goes downhill in chapter 1. You see all of the vain imaginations, worshiping the creator, the creature instead of the creator. You see all of those problem things jump out there. And what we need to understand today is... And if it weren't for the goodness of God, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where I would be. I just was told earlier before the service that Sister Tanya was in a head-on accident this week. Head-on accident. Destroyed the car. She's sore, but she's okay. Amen. Now who was, who was, who, who do we give credit for that? That has to be God. Amen. There has to be some people here who can know this very week there were some difficulties that I was facing. And God moved in and helped in that situation. Hallelujah. I always tell people this. Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. That's why I always write thank you notes. Why? Why? Because I could be overwhelmed by their gift. And I could be sitting there going, wow, this is incredible. But they never know it. They never know it. Because I never said anything. They never know that they hit the mark or they overwhelmed me with their kindness or their thoughtfulness or whatever it was. They never know. And so it is with God. God just wants to be thanked. God just wants to be recognized and acknowledged that, Lord, without you, I could never have made it all this way. I didn't get here by myself, God. It was your love. It was your long-suffering. It was your faithfulness in spite of my unfaithfulness. It was your mercy that was new every day when I fell down again in the same trap or difficulty that lifted me up and restored fellowship with me. I want to remind you today that before we can come and ask of anything more of God, we've got to recognize what He's already done in our life. We've got to be carried away once again with gratitude and thanksgiving. I didn't get here on my own, Father, and I thank you for the love of God. I thank you for the grace and the mercy of God. I thank you for the testimony scattered all over these buildings. I thank you for Brother Tummins who is feeling much better. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for His healing. Thank you for continuing healing. When I was in an apartment in South Fort Worth and felt like I was having an overdose, I hadn't mentioned the name Jesus or Christ for years. My life was characterized by Selfishness, irresponsibility, escaping responsibility by getting high. And in that room that night, I just said, God, if you'll get me out of this, I made a deal. If you'll get me out of this, I'll change my life.
changed my life. I'll turn my life around. He came into that room. We hadn't talked in years. But he came in like we'd been talking yesterday. And immediately, I began to breathe normally again. And my heart began to beat. I slipped off that bed. I began to thank him. I began to thank him, Lord. You were faithful when I was unfaithful. You remembered me when I had forgotten about you. When I had hewn myself out a cistern that could hold no water and abandoned the fount of living water, you came to me in my moment of need. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't require it of you, but you were there. And Lord, I don't want to forget that I started with a boost from someone who didn't owe me anything. And I stand here today as a pastor of this church. I understand I didn't get here by myself. It was your mercy and it was your grace. It was your long-suffering and patient with my hard-headedness. 